0: Welcome back to Bay Ridge. I hope you're having a great Sunday as you watch online with us. Please interact with us. Please share comments and ideas. We're a community online, living life online, and we want you to be a part of it. Even in this, we want to be connected with you and just share this experience with you. It's really when we get together like this, in this place, with worship, with reading scripture, with praying together, that we solidify ourselves as the body of Christ. And we just encourage you that even now that you share this video feed, that you share what's happening and that you comment, you can see who else is online with us right now as we're watching this and we encourage you, do it. You can't shout hallelujah, but you can press those hearts and press those like buttons and we're watching and we can see it and we're with you. And we just want to be with you. We wanna be with you in person so badly But even if we can't be present in the body, we want to be present in the spirit, right? That's what we do. That's what we do. We're continuing looking at the book Stayed by Phil Lager and Captain Stephen Court. And as we explore that, we're trying not to necessarily pick apart the book, but we've just been inspired by it. And Joy and Lieutenant Tabitha, they haven't been teaching you what the sections of the book are, But we've really just been sharing things that have been awoken in us as we've read the book together. And as we read the book, it's obviously about peace and peace is a huge part of it. And how do you find the place of peace with God and how do you stay there? That's all about stayed, spending time alone with Yahweh. I am all about that. I am an introvert. So I absolutely love the idea of studying how to spend alone time in any form but especially when it's spending a time alone with God. But this subject about peace is really difficult. How do we look at peace with a serious face almost? How do we look at it and even dare say to the world that we can offer them peace? I don't know if you've ever thought about how many wars and how many conflicts have actually gone on In recorded history. The New York Times recently reported uh, in a story, they looked at the last 3,400 years and they asked the question, out of that 3,400 years, how much peace has the world known? Their answer was 268 years. There has been 268 years out of over 4,000 years, 3,400 years, that's 8%. 8% of time hasn't known war, hasn't known violent conflict. So I want to tell you, if you start going around and you're really jazzed by the teachings that you've been hearing the past couple weeks about peace, be careful because people don't want to hear it. It reminds me of the one character in Romeo, Romeo and Juliet, when he's talking about peace, he says, peace, peace, I hate the word, as I hate all Montagues and thee. I remember reading that in high school and thinking, there are people who really feel this way. Just the mention of the word peace is enough to incite them to anger or even violence. You can't even mention peace. I think that we can't even mention peace because there's something in us that craves it and desires it. And I think that that's why you're interested in these teachings. That's why we're interested in these teachings. And that's why we encourage you to get the book because we want to know peace. Right from the get-go, you need to know we're not talking about the same kind of peace that the world is talking about. Right here, you can see it. This, this fact alone, out of the last 3,400 years, 8% peace. Did you really think that Jesus didn't know what he was talking about when he encouraged just about peace? Do you think he didn't understand how much war and conflict there was when he talks about people hungering and thirsting after things in the Beatitudes? And he talks about the peacemakers, the people who crave peace, who want peace, the people who bring peace. Even in this time period when Jesus was talking to people, he was talking to people that had known nothing except conflict. He was not talking to people that knew peace. He was talking to people that wanted peace, that had a desire for peace. What audacity to start talking about peace when the world is going crazy. So as we look into this, one of these verses that jumps out to me, one of these portions of scriptures that has always jumped out to me, can be found in Jeremiah 17. In Jeremiah 17, starting at verse 7, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Well, what is this tree? What is this tree that is in the middle of a drought and doesn't fear it? I mean, he's talking about drought. He's not talking about it's just dry. Jeremiah is talking about no water. Instantly, you almost get the image of not just one tree, but two trees. Cuz Jeremiah is in this scripture, he's comparing the righteous with the unrighteous. The people who have trusted in the Lord while Babylon is invading versus those that have not trusted in the Lord. And he says the people who trust in the Lord are like a tree planted near the river. I don't know if you can flashback right now, but you should flashback to when Joy was talking about being connected to the vine. Because that is very similar to what Jeremiah is talking about. He is talking about getting connected. He is talking about the roots being deep and reaching it. Now, it's not saying that the tree is planted in the river. Sometimes I think people have this spiritual concept of what discipleship looks like. And it's like people, you know, in their inner tubes in a lazy river sloshing around. And they're like, this is life in the spirit. That's not the life of the spirit that I have known. I have had some relaxed moments in the spirit, but that is not my norm. I don't know if you're like that, but I'm like that. My norm is actually far from that lazy river aspect of the spirit. It seems like we're plunged in a world of absolute chaos that's begging to come back into order, but it doesn't want to listen to the order maker. It doesn't want to listen to the creator. So often I find myself wedged in between the two. I over here have a God of peace, but over here I have a world of chaos and I kind of feel sandwiched in between. Somewhere in a very real world, this tree is planted near a river and it is experiencing the chaos of the world and the chaos of life. Something that's interesting is if trees are actually planted near a river like that, just like Jeremiah is describing it, when the drought comes, it is not impacted. It can still have green leaves. It can even still have fruits when it's not raining because the tree is not dependent on the rain. It is not dependent on fair weather. It is not dependent on what it looks outside. It is dependent where its roots go deep, where its roots reach out looking for the river as opposed to a tree that could even be in a place where there is rain. But when the roots are not deep enough to get to a solid source, it has no consistency. Isn't that what we struggle for? Isn't that what we're seeking? We're seeking peace. Peace is consistent. I would challenge you and say that if you haven't experienced consistency, you haven't experienced the peace that God wants to offer you. There is a consistency that comes. So that when Jeremiah says, thus says the, you know, he's talking and says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord, he's talking about a consistent relationship that the person here in this verse has with the Lord. his It's not just the outside, it's not just fair weather, it's not just when the blessing blows, but it's in blessing or curses that you see this dividing line that's happening. I don't know if you remember, but I've talked about St. Augustine in his book, The City of God. And in The City of God, he's defending when the city of Rome was sacked by the Visigoths. So you have this invading army. Rome had never been taken over. Rome had had not lost. Rome was undefeatable. It could not be stopped. But the mighty Rome stopped. Not only did it get stopped, but it, it was taken back and pushed into the very center of that which is Rome, the city itself. Now, when that happened and the army actually made its way into Rome, people started to argue and say, listen, when we were all pagans, nothing like this ever happened. You know, why why should we be Christians? We told you not to be Christians. When we weren't Christians, everything was fine. And when we became Christian, look what happened. I don't know if you've ever heard friends say that. I've totally had friends say that. Said, man, when I started to get my life together, all hell broke loose. Yeah. Now what Augustine said was that the fire is gonna come. The fire always comes. Some kind of trouble, some kind of trial, some kind of chaos will always come. He argued the response of the person is different. So when the fire comes to an unbeliever, he said that believer's like, hey. And when the fire comes, they're burnt up. But when the fire comes to the believer, it's like a fire came to that which was gold because that's what God does to us. He transforms us into new precious creations. So when the fire comes to the gold, it knocks out more impurities and makes it even more valuable than it was before the fire came. Now, in that moment, Augustine is arguing for true peace, the kingdom of peace. And Jeremiah here, he's trying to encourage us. And he says, trust. Those whose trust is in the Lord and those whose trust is the Lord. Jeremiah is encouraging a very intense relationship here where he's saying it's not enough if a person's trust is is in the Lord, but the Lord has to be their very thing of trust. He is causing the trust to happen. He is making a way for the trust to exist. He is making a way for the faith to exist. And, and I want that, and I want to encourage it. And I even, as I started to read it, and I started to read through section one of the book, Stayed, I'm thinking, yeah, I want that peace, but how do I get in there? How does it happen? What is this time supposed to be spent like? And you might be surprised, but there's almost an exact mention, just like of what Jeremiah said in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is beautiful. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. I want that water. I want to know what that water's like. And here the psalmist, likely David, he is suggesting a way for us to get in there. So Jeremiah, we see, he suggests to have a life of trust, but how do we get into that life of trust? Thankfully, David writes about the same thing, and he kind of gives us a little bit of a clue. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I have a background in web design, a little IT. I worked for Apple. I love technology. And one thing I know about technology is No matter what technology you have, it always needs an update of some sort. I don't know if you've ever done that. You got to your computer, you go to turn it on, you think you're all set to go. You're like, okay. And the next thing you see is, must update. Please restart to install. So annoying. But it's necessary if the device is to work like it was designed to. Every item, every device needs these updates, these reinstallations of software in order to get it to work at its peak. And people are no different. Here scripture even suggests it. David is talking about a rewiring, an update to the software. Now when the fall occurred it affected man in a way that we stopped working like we were supposed to. When that happened we needed fixed because there is a great new thing that God wanted to do. Now a lot of times people think that this whole thing is just about oh save the sinner and then that's it. That's not it. That's just fixing the device. That's not actually using it. You can have a a brand new iPhone, but if it doesn't have the software that it needs in order to run, it's a brick. That's actually what we called it. We called it when I worked with the genius department. If a person's actual firmware went down and people completely damaged the software in their phone, sometimes there was no hope of recovery. We said they bricked it. Because that's all you got. Even if you have a brand new shiny device, but it does not have the software inside of it to make it run, then it's not at its full potential. We want to be at full potential. So when Jesus came, what he began to offer was an upgrade to our software so we could enter in to this new potential that he had actually been promising all the way back to Adam and Eve. How do we get there? We gotta get the water, the very water of life, the very water of heaven. That is like the software. That's like the stuff that makes us work. We need this constant supply. It says it right there in Jeremiah. When the roots of it are near the water, this water of life that's coming out, then the very tree itself is life-giving, life-producing. Its leaves are green, its fruit is flourishing. David starts to suggest it and says, listen, you need to get into it. When he talks about the law, he's not talking about rules. He's not talking about a list of do's and don'ts. He's talking about the operating system of heaven being a part of our lives. So as he talks about that, he is saying, you need a new way of doing things than you were used to. And for him, he said, I meditate on the the law day and night, not because he wanted a list of do's and don'ts, but he wanted to know how does heaven work and function. I want to be in the place where heaven is real to me, constantly flowing in and out. That's what his meditation was about, and to the point where he ignored people that would not function that way. It says, Do not be in the council of wicked. Do not be around scoffers. Get away from the people. See, there are people in life that will drain the life out of us. Now, I know a bunch of parents just said, amen. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about, but it's a thing. You can feel the life force drain out of you so that if you're around people and they're just draining, 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 but you don't get next to the source, you will dry out and stop producing. David says, don't be around those people. Be be around where the life is. Be around where the water is. And what does this look like to us? The one place in scripture I feel like we can instantly jump to And we can all know what we're gonna talk about because we just went through the book of John, hardcore, it's John four, where Jesus comes to the woman at the well. He comes to this woman that has been around nothing but scoffers. She's been around the negative. She's been around the animosity and the judgment and the condemnation. She is in the wilderness when Jesus finds her. She is in the drought of her life, struggling to survive. And she knows she's dying and she's dying of thirst. And it's Jesus that says, I know of a water that's everlasting. If you allow me to give you this water, you will never thirst again. And she's desperate for it. She's desperate for that water. And when Jesus has that beautiful interaction with the woman at the well, what does she look like? She radically changes, where once upon a time, Jesus looks at her and says, you know, go get your husband. And what does she say? Oh, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you tell the truth. You had five husbands, the man you live with right now isn't even your husband. This is the kind of woman she was living in the drought, but all of a sudden, when she connects to living water. See, she came, she was driven by fear her entire life. She was driven by fear of men, fear of culture, fear of her society, fear of missing out on the Messiah. You can hear it in her conversation. She's coming to the well at midday, at the worst part, just so that she can get away from it. She is tired of hearing it. She's in this absolutely terrible place. And she just wants to get away from the scoffers, the liars, and the haters. And it's good, because what does she do? She stops. She goes to be alone and meets with who? It's the very thing we're learning with this stayed analogy. When we're talking about stopping and getting alone with Yahweh. Look at what this woman does for just one moment. She stops and she gets away with the true source of living water, living water himself. And she connects with the source. In the very next minute, She is running to the people that she had feared. She is running to the very people that used to drain the very life force out of her. She races to them and says, "'Come, meet a man who knew everything about me.'" It's the Messiah. It's the Messiah. See, it's easy to understand in times like this, in the times of the chaos that's happening, I'm sure you feel it. I'm sure you feel just the life, the life being pulled out of you. You just, you. you just feel it. Maybe you walk into a room or maybe you go on Facebook or maybe you click on the news. Maybe you see the latest press release and you know YouTube channel announcement. And the moment you hear the news, it just starts to pull on you. And you just feel it just pulling off of you. Maybe it's been happening for weeks, but it doesn't have to continue. It does not have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Why? Because we have a different calling and a different purpose. We're called to be like trees planted by the waters with deep roots, stretching, reaching out, so, you might still say, how, how does this work? How do I get that? The secret's in the roots. See, when the roots are going down deep, when the roots are reaching out, it's faith. It's faith. It's just belief. It's believing in the one that is there, the one who's going to supply all our needs, the one who's asking if we would receive his help, is faith. It's faith in just the act of faith, saying, I believe. Even if you're like the man said, I believe, help my unbelief. One time, the Lord was telling me some good things that were going to happen to my family. I couldn't believe them. I could not, I was in such a low state. That was my response. The Lord said, hey, these things are going to happen for you. And I just looked at him and said, Lord, I can't believe you. I don't believe you, but I want to. I want to believe. And you know what he said to me? I heard him clear. That's the most honest prayer you've ever prayed. You might be there. And that is a beautiful place to be. You might be at the place where all you can say is, I believe, help my unbelief. An honest prayer goes much further than a polished prayer. I would suggest it stop as often as you can and get alone with Him so that you can connect to the source that is going to bring you the kingdom reality. Because when the kingdom comes in, when you connect yourself to the source, when you connect yourself to the river, that is when you encounter everlasting peace. That is when the reality of heaven comes and floods and fills your life and then you'll have a transformation too. Then you'll be able to go out and say, come meet the one that knows me, the one that knows what I've been going through. Come meet the one that has come to me and called out to me and said my name. He has called us by name, called you by name. And even now you might be hearing him call your name. Try it out and believe. Stretch out your hands and seek the one that brings peace. Because just like we read, our trust needs to be in him and he needs to be our trust He is our peace and the peace that he promises to bring is not like the world's peace. It's an everlasting peace and it's for you. Thank you for stopping by. We love it when you visit us here at the Bay Ridge Salvation Army. You can find out more about us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you would like to help support what we do, simply text Love to 41444. That's Love to 41444.